welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hi, and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. It's good to have you here. If you're listening via iTunes, please leave a short review of the show. And don't forget, we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook or via the page this show has on flyingsolo.com.au. Now, let me tell you about today's guest and our topic, why thinking like a scientist can be good for business. Dr. Warren Harmer has a PhD in science, but somehow ended up in small business. He's been out of the laboratory for a little under 20 years, but still behaves like a scientist on a daily basis. He likes to solve problems using a scientific approach, where he looks objectively at businesses to see what is happening and applies first principles. As he says, in small business, outcomes reign over theory. Warren owns and runs two businesses, Cresair Small Business Advisors, that's C-R-E-C-E-R, the Spanish verb meaning to grow, like you didn't know that, and The Business Plan Company, and he's authored Business Planning for Small Business, a step-by-step guide. He's also a regular contributor to Flying Solo, and it's very good to have our resident doctor with us on this podcast. Welcome, Warren. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's good to have you here. So look, this, you wrote an article recently on Flying Solo that was entitled How Thinking Like a Scientist Makes Tough Problems Easy. And, um, you know, it hit a bit of a chord and uh, a few people were, including my good self, were, um, you know, quite fascinated by this approach. And I wonder if you can, you can kind of talk us through. So do you really think that um, thinking like a scientist is, is good for small business? I guess um, I see any kind of competitive edge that you can have certainly helps. Mm. And I'm a big believer that people who approach a problem with a different kind of framework can sometimes give you an insight that people who don't have that training, um, they don't see things in quite the same way. Mm. And I guess all those years of doing science sets you up with a particular type of thinking. Um, it's, it's very rigorous. Um, there's no... There's no conclusions that aren't based on hard data, and I think you end up with a quite a structured way of approaching problems. That yeah, look, I bet you do, but it makes me wonder as you're saying that. So I'm thinking if, if you've if you've kind of if you're expecting or or we need to, should expect that we have got some hard data. I mean, it's just it would worry me that if I were doing that, I'd never get to making a decision. But clearly, you <laughs> clearly you've got it down in a way that that um, you kind of take what data's there and you use it. Perhaps you can talk us through a maybe a typical scenario that you have with um, with some of your clients. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I guess if I look at one of my healthcare clients, mm. um, some of the data that I've got them collecting are things like, um, so using data that everybody should have, and that can be things like weekly revenue. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, then you'd be looking at average sale numbers every week. You'd be looking at things like, if you're in a service business, perhaps non-billable time. Um, things like that, things that are reasonably easy to access with um, a little bit of discipline. Hmm. Um, and so really you're just looking for the trends. I mean, if you're in the lab, then you obviously you need years of data. But right. um, <laughs> trying to break it down to a level that's actually usable in a small business, which means that you can't spend more than about 10 or 15 minutes working on it. Um, so by having that data there, then you can start analysing the trends. So if, let's yeah, say okay. in this particular situation... Um, gross profit was dropping in that business. Yep. But we had about four years worth of data. 
Um, so over that time, we were able to see that things like non-billable time were going up. Uh, the average rates were going down. Um, staff retention was sliding down a little bit. Yep. So when you look at those numbers, I mean, and I took it to the science extreme and did correlation graphs and a whole range of different things. Wow, okay. You know, um, but when you start to look at those trends, then you can start to identify the problems pretty quickly. I mean, you can look at it at a glance. Like if you look at a graph of your average rates over the last two years and you see that they're down 10% just by yep. looking at it, um, it's pretty easy to see what decisions that you need to make to start arresting some of those trends that are taking you in the wrong direction. Yeah, look, and I guess, you know, so often I think in small business, so many decisions are a kind of seat of the pant decisions and gut feel. You yeah. know, there's a lot spoken in small business about gut feeling, you know, does it feel right? And if it, if it doesn't, don't. And if it does, do. Um, but but you're saying that, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure you don't, you're not saying that those don't necessarily have a place, but you start off with a kind of a, a platform of of some statistics and some trends and and That's really right. yeah and looking at them. And would it be true? I would imagine in with a number of the people that you work with that to sort of start to delve um, as deeply as you do, and and you know you would perhaps say that it's not actually that deep, but it's looking at things that maybe we don't look at. Is that yeah. often a revelation for the people you're working with? Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, I guess. You know, one of the things I've come to realise about working with small businesses is that the general level of financial management and going beyond that, which is sort of looking at the metrics, which I like to do, you know, financial management is scary, right. I would say, in general. Um, yep. You know, especially for people starting off, um, the really small businesses, some of the some of the numbers that they look at, they're looking at their financials and sometimes that's last financial year. Mm. You know, so starting to bring in even basic kind of monthly reporting, weekly reporting, um, getting them in the habit of doing it. And once they see how easy it is to keep your finger on the pulse of the business, then they really love it. Yeah. Okay. You know, and quite often I take on that role for my clients and I become the person who keeps those weekly and monthly numbers for them. And then when we have our regular meetings, I present them and say, okay, well, in this area, you know, we're spending too much on marketing, yeah. call rates have gone down in that area. You know, and so having someone there who can kind of do that makes it makes such a difference. Mm. You know? And so, do you see yourself in some ways as a, um, you know, a kind of a trainer of of scientists? Do people when they leave you do they do they tend to kind of pick it up and work with it themselves, or is this? Yeah, they do. Yeah, okay. they do. And then, look, and that's my consulting style generally. Um, I really like for the clients, people that I work with, be it ongoing consulting or business plans. I want I want them to learn something. And I want them to take that information and the skills mm. away and actually go away and run the business because I'm not there all the time. You no. know, it's, it's not my business. So it's one thing to go in and talk strategy, but if they become better business owners, then there's a lot more benefit. Sure. Look, let's, um, if we can go back, there's a piece in your, in your article where you, um, under the sort of heading of making use of your bare wits, and mm. you cited the example um, of when you were, were there kind of set with the task of writing a twenty third, a twenty thousand word thesis. Could you just share that little story with us, and then perhaps we can again we can have a look at where people might make a sort of tangible start on this approach to uh, thinking like a scientist. Yeah, sure. So I guess studying a PhD, you know, is young, ambitious, starry eyed, <laughs> and then when it comes to time to actually start doing work, and then you know that in three or four years' time, then you're going to have to present a scientifically rigorous 20,000-word thesis. Right. 
for which there is no information. Like no one's done that exact work before. Mm. And as part of your review, you certainly review what information is out there and what research people have done before. But no one's done that exact work before. So it's really right. just, it's really you. You're the one making it up. You work with your supervisor who guides you. But you have to create that knowledge yourself. You have to solve those problems yourself along the way. And it's really, it really is, like I said, just you and your bare wits. Mm. Um, and there's some help along the way. There's some guideposts that can help you, but ultimately it's up to you to make that happen. And just, uh, just, to, just to hold you there for a second, so just to make sure people understand that the sort of position that you're in there um, is that the, here you are at the beginning of four years, at the end of which, uh, or at the, at the beginning, you know that at the end you're going to be required to submit a 20,000-word thesis about which you know nothing at this juncture. That's right. And just, you've just got a topic. Yeah, and based on based on your success at that, will determine you know your your career thereafter. So that's right. So quite a few analogies there with business, I guess, aren't there? At day one, Absolutely. you know, you stand there with okay, woo, I've opened the door, I've got a business, and you'd like to think maybe not four years, maybe two years, maybe one year for some people, unrealistically six months. You know, they're thinking, okay, this is what I want to have at the end of that. So. Yeah. You know, for the small business owner, we know that um, a lot of people, that, that's enough to kind of freeze them into a position where they just don't take any action at all. It's so terrifying. Some that's people right. don't even start. But so how do you then, how did you, in your scientific endeavor, how did you get started knowing you've got this thing hanging over you that you've got to deliver in four years? And how is that relevant to us? Yeah, um, I guess it's really just about getting to work. Um, mm. And I'd say for the first year or so, you're collecting information, you start doing the actual research and you sort of start to see the results come in. Um, and then that's, that helps you. By the, by the time you've got to the end of the first year, maybe the first year and a half, and you've got a pretty good idea of where it's going to go. You certainly don't have final results by then, but you're starting to forge a bit of a shape. Hmm. Um, I guess when I first started the restaurant, which was around about nine months after I'd finished my PhD, the luxury that you have when you're doing research is that you don't have money riding on it. Um, right. You know, I had a scholarship, so you keep going. So, um, sorry, I just want to jump in. So, you started a restaurant soon after you'd finished your PhD? Yeah. So, by the time I okay. finished my PhD, I was sort of, I found that working in academia was just a bit too removed from the real world for me. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, I worked in research for a little while, but that was the nine months. And yeah. then the opportunity came up to jump into a restaurant and... So I decided, you know, for better or worse, I decided to, to go with that. And it ended up being the right decision for mm. me. Um, you know, just going back to that research for a moment, um, yeah. what I see in small business, you know, the people that I've worked with, my clients, there's a lot of trial and error that goes on. And that, that's certainly the case in um, research. Sure. Um, and as you go along, there's a bit less trial and trial and error because you get a bit better idea of where you're going. going. Yeah. But what... The thing about if you're doing that in small business, it costs you a lot of money. Hmm. It can cost you money. It can cost you your business. Yeah. Errors can be expensive errors. Extremely. <clears throat> I mean, just in my own, in that restaurant, I probably hired a staff member that didn't work out. And I think in my calculations, cost about $30,000. You know, so it's very easy to make hmm. silly mistakes. So I guess the parallel that I would make is in that, that research phase, you need to do it um, as much as you can before you start the business. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to make big decisions like that, um, do what you do as a scientist and then research before you come to any conclusion and decide mm. what to do. 
And there, and there must be times though when you were doing your research that you sort of got you know took a certain direction in one particular path and then realized not that's that's not going to kind of work for me absolutely. so you know there's there's failure in in science oh, <laughs> absolutely. every bit as much so how absolutely. how do you kind of how have you bought the um the your scientific learnings in that side of things when things don't work how Look, did i think i think uh, one thing you learn in science and definitely in business is that um no, I, don't, I almost don't like the word failure because it just no, means I don't that you like tried the word something and it yeah. didn't go to plan. But yep. you just keep going. Yes. There's no choice. I mean, when you're, no. we've, if you've got a research um, project going and it has to be done, if it's not working out, it's just, it's just tough. You just have to keep going and keep going. There's no, there's yes. no choice. Yes. Okay, you know, same in business. Yeah, and, look, and I, I agree. I, don't, I, don't, I must confess I don't like the failure word either. It's sometimes some things we do don't go the way we, we expect them to do, so we try other things. That's, That's right. You know, part you know, of the it's, joy. It's, it's, you're talking then about people starting businesses. Mm. Um, you know, one thing that separates the experience to the new business owner, I think, is that sort of dose of realism, you know, like I think people starting off, they have very big ideas around how it's going to go, and sometimes it goes like that, but um, mm. most of the time it doesn't, mm. and that's okay. You still get somewhere good, and uh, maybe it isn't always the place that you thought you were going to go at the start, but no. um, that's quite okay too, and sometimes the other destination is... There's a better one. Excellent, absolutely. It's what you needed <laughs> yes. all along, but just didn't know it existed yet. Yeah. What do we do? What, what's your, your sort of thoughts about um, businesses, particularly in the, in the startup stage, where they would perhaps argue they don't have a lot of data. You know, they haven't yeah. got a lot of information. Yeah, look, and this is a hard one. And I do a lot of business plans for um, new business and particularly small business. Mm. So they don't have budgets for market research. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of useful information out there. Mm. Um, you're trying to draw conclusions around what's going on in a, in a small Business. Let's say you've got a retail shop or restaurant, or it might be in a specific industry like aged care or, or something like that. Yep. Go looking for that data. You really would be surprised, even if it doesn't directly relate to your business, because you can't commission it for yourself. You don't have the budget. Mm. But you would be amazed at what is out there. Like you know things like population data. There's a lot of that. Traffic data. There's a lot of that. Um, if you were thinking about opening a retail shop, and I'll give you an example. Mm. Um, a guy who came to me to do a business plan and he wanted to open a, a nut shop and he had a location picked out because the rent was good and it was close to home and a few other factors. Mm-hmm. I knew straight away it was not going to be a suitable location. But so the research I got him to do was to actually monitor the foot traffic there for a week just to get some sense of are people actually going in this particular spot. It was a quieter shopping strip. So he put the numbers together and that was enough for him to say, okay, well, That's I'm not, not really that yeah, confident yeah. enough to go and spend the money so you know even basic information like that can really make a difference so before he had no idea just blind ambition and the fantasy of what his business was going to be Mm. and then after that he had a pretty good idea yeah look and i think that's a great point and it's so often i think particularly in startup where we have um, um usually a very high degree of passion and optimism and of course, all the people around us, our friends and family, all well, they either they do one or two things, they either say that's never going to work, stay in your job, 
or they do the reverse where they say that's going to go bonkers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, um, that often results in, in not su- sufficient research. And as you say, what's hard about standing outside a building and seeing how many people walk past? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we can do a similar version of that uh, for an online business as well, but so often... Uh, we just don't do that. So I can yeah. see that your role there where you hop in and say, no, 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 no. You know, as the scientist, not necessarily that you pitch yourself like that in those conversations, but just get a clipboard, just get a, you know, sit in your car, watch what people are doing. Yeah. Um, and having that sort of rigor makes such a difference. Because I saw that on the article you wrote, Jane, our lovely Jane Tankard wrote a great comment about um, the fact that the number of businesses that she works with, they just don't have uh, anything like sort of sufficient data um, and yet sometimes we'll make a decision based on insufficient data. Like, I think the example she used was someone was saying to her, um, I, I, I tried cold calling once, it didn't work. <laughs> you know, and, uh, that, and you must come across denial. that. Yes, it, it is. I don't like doing it. Sorry, say that again? I say that's just pure denial because we don't like doing it. Well, that's right. And there, is, there are a number of things like that in business, I, aren't you there, know, which we don't like doing. Norm. Mm. You know, I'd say more people do that kind of make those kinds of decisions. And then, you know, it's, it's also in the context of other swaying factors in it. So you mentioned the friends and family mm. um, who, for rightly or wrongly, have their say in these things, uh, whether they're qualified or not enough to do it. Yep. But so often you'll be having to make decisions based on things like people trying to sell you, sell you things. Like if you look at, um, say, SEO or online advertising, those types of things. There's some pretty clever salespeople out there Mm. that will have a small business owner thinking that they need to go and spend $2,000 a month on social media marketing. And this happened to uh, actually a friend of mine who's starting a business. Yeah. You know, and I went back to him and I said, well, before you make that decision to do that, what I want you to do is to tell me how many products you need to sell and then go back and give me the conversion rates based on the numbers and then look at that and say, can you spend your marketing elsewhere and get the same numbers or better? Mm. So that was his project to go and do mm. that. And as soon as he came back, he said, well, that's, that $2,000 is completely nuts. <laughs> you know, yeah. I would need to be getting 10,000 more likes on Facebook at a conversion rate of 0.01% or, you know, like just putting some of those numbers together really just kind of opens people's eyes. Mm. And, you know, I really like to hand over that decision-making power to them. Like, yeah getting people to do those kinds of exercises where they need it. And then they, they have the aha moment and they kind of, they own it a lot better. Yeah. Look, as you say, uh, that's a, that's a great story. And I think it's, as you say, um, a lot of online marketers are very proficient marketers they are. and it's very easy when we've got, you know, a hot button or an itch that needs to be scratched that we or see desperate. or desperate. Well, yes, that's another way of saying that, um, <laughs> but you know, we see something that would appear to tick all the boxes and it's merely 1995 or some such thing. And uh, the next thing you know, we've we've kind of signed up for it. But having again that sort of rigor to go, actually no, I'll stand back. I'll put my um, my white coat on, and yeah. I'll I'll view this um, as a scientist. So very interesting. And tell me, when you ran your own sort of retail business, um, your restaurant, did you enjoy that business? Did you find that? I mean, were you sort of front of house as well? Uh, so I, I actually ended up in the kitchen. Would you believe? And I. Be- okay. I became a chef at the same time. Okay. So, so one of the few people I know that's a qualified chef and has a PhD. Right. Um, um, how did I find that experience? I think for about the first f- three or four years, it was great. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm, I'm one of those people that once I stop learning, I start getting restless. Yeah, okay. Um, and so I think that I'd probably, I'd probably, the learning had slowed down a lot then, um, and just the exhaustion kicked in. Restaurants are very tiring. Yes, demanding indeed. businesses to have. Yeah, no, I was wondering whether the whether you were sort of front of house, whether you were having to do quite a bit of the sort of marketing and that yeah, side so of things, or whether you yeah. were uh, more behind the scenes. Yeah, so I pretty much I was in the kitchen, but I also yeah. I pretty much ran. Um, my business partner at the time was great front of house, um, yep. but I was uh, the person doing all the marketing and mm. finance and systems, ordering, everything like that. Yeah, okay. And so tell me, do you? what's your experience of um, sort of existing businesses versus new businesses? Do you find that uh, existing businesses are ones that have uh, more to gain from working like a scientist than, than new businesses? What's your thought there? Um, I guess the em- emphasis is slightly different. Um, I was talking about the research before. So for a brand new business, as much research as they can do beforehand, you know, it pays for itself so many times over to spend that time. New businesses are notoriously scared of spending money on uh, professional advice. Yeah. Um, so getting someone to do a business plan sometimes can be challenging. But the investment they make, you know, it's – it pays for itself so many times over. Mm. So it's just about the phases. Um, for an existing business, as I said, most of them don't have these sort of metrics collection systems in place. So the, probably the emphasis is slightly different. They have a lot more data because they know how the business operates. You've already got past financials and yep. sales figures. So it's probably a bit more about delving into those and I think more about setting up those the data collection systems mm. um, for the existing and really starting to hone in and fine-tune how the business is going based on what they actually see. Yeah, and one thing I find a bit confusing with data, we have, you know, in Flying Teller, we have a lot of data from a lot Mm. of different sources. But sometimes I find that um, I can kind of read it how I want to read it. You know, I can Mm. put my own little sort of mental spin on things and um, can sometimes seek, you know, one little thing that's happened in the world of online or one thing that's happened in the media that explains everything. Um, you know, it's, this, this must not be a, a common way of thinking, I'm guessing. No, I'm, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I, think, not, I was thinking not uncommon. I mean, a lot of people, don't we tend to try to find our own reasoning? Yeah, look, and I think the, the single data point that you mentioned before about the, the cold call, mm. um, I did respond to that comment um, saying that years of data is the ideal. Yeah. Um, like the more you have, the better. And if you can possibly look at the trends, um, if you're doing numbers, then also do year-to-date numbers mm. so you're not just looking at an aberration of one particular week. Um, one of my clients, which I think I mentioned in that article, um, we've been doing web conversions, so tracking conversions from web to call. And, you know, we had eight, we have eight years of data. Mm. Um, so rather than saying, okay, this happened this week, and therefore, I'm going to make a decision on that. You'd probably look back and say, okay, well, this is what's happened for the past month and compared to last year and two years ago and three years ago, what has happened in that time? So the the, the more the, the longer period that you have, the more the more time you have to look over that trends, definitely the better. Yeah, just okay. try, to make, try to avoid making decisions on single point data. Mm. And tell me, when, when somebody comes to you and they've got – as in that instance, you said, you know, kind of eight years worth of data, do they just sort of chuck you the keys and, and you dive into this minefield of data and try and make sense of it? 
Um, yeah, and because I've because I've actually been working with that company for ten years. Okay. Um, so I I know it. I can pick up the trend straight away if something's changing. Um, you know, because I've been looking at it for so long. Yep. Um, but in other businesses where we set these things up, absolutely, they're happy for handover, and then I suggest what I think the trends are. But yeah, I really okay. get my clients to start getting involved in it, so mm. they know. You know, and after a while, they start looking at average rates and things and then they can start picking out the trends themselves yeah because surely that that has to be i mean that that's an essential isn't it that you that the the business owner gets involved themselves it's oh just, they have to own it yeah of course absolutely they have to own it mm. okay so you've you've now then you know not not 20 years yet you've got a few more years in your <laughs> own business <laughs> do you do you ever sort of look back at um your science career and go oh maybe i should have or you, you you're very happy that where you moved yeah you know when, you, when I sort of tell the story of going from PhD to small business, you know, I sometimes get the comment of, oh, my God, isn't that a waste? Um, and obviously the answer is no. And I just think the training that the training that I've got that's made me think the way that I am is really what you take away from education. Mm. And I, I guess letting it go for so long or studying so long just makes those thought processes and the attitudes and approaches stronger. Um Look, yeah, I have actually thought maybe if I didn't do that, but then I wouldn't be where I am now and no. I really enjoy where I am sure. now. And, you know, I think for for a, little while, for a little while when I started my business career, I felt a bit of, like a fish out of water for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, and I had the perception that people who were successful in business were sort of hard-nosed and, you know, that cliche of somebody who's successful because they have great good sales and then ruthless and all those sort yeah. of attitudes. but. Now that I've sort of embraced my own um, the way of thinking and personality, then I really feel that I've, I I do fit in and, you know, small business is, is a great place to be. It's a very personal kind yeah. of type of work that I do and that's what I love, get to change people's lives. Yeah. And is there anything about your uh, sort of scientific brain that actually holds you back? Do you find that... Um... Um, oh, look, I definitely would say when I first started off it did hmm. um, because scientists are reasonably closed off sort of people I mean the nature of the work you don't you're not sort of out and about meeting new people so much so it took me a little while to sort of just get that um business social confidence to be able to go and talk to new people and make new connections yeah so I would say definitely at the start that it is um but yeah not Definitely not. Now. Not hugely. No, there is an answer. I, I, when I first started or started my first business, I come from a, a career in uh, sort of in the design industry, and you know, oh, yeah, okay. no, nothing like a scientist. But um, but we took a long time to get things a hundred percent right. You oh, know, yeah. so totally right. And we. It's it's funny. My partner's a um, interior designer, and so right. I know a lot of designers. Yes, um, um, and you just you don't know the personality, and mm. um, sometimes it's getting caught up too much. I think in the artistic integrity of the design yes. um you know and that as i said in small in business um it's all about outcomes so it's kind of the reverse yeah. process to yes. design and science in a way um you know it doesn't matter what method you take to get there whereas no. in those other types of disciplines it's about the method and then the outcome has to be pure yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, I, I, what I noticed with sort of my, my own background in business is that sometimes I would just take too long to, to mm. get moving. You know, that's right. So it, if we had, if I, if I was working with you, for example, I would mm. have had numbers around how long you take to do projects and then working out every daily rates and that type of thing. So right. you sort of whip your clients into line pretty quick because once they see that, mm. 
they think, oh my god, I'm getting paid twenty dollars an hour here. <laughs> I'll get a yeah. better, better get a move on. Yeah, exactly. I can't yeah. keep doing this. I'm not going to be in business. Okay. Well, look, and, and on that note, um, thank thank you so much for joining us. I've actually got uh, a final little series of questions here that I'd like you to choose any number between one and twenty, and I'm going to chuck another question at you. Okay. Um, Sixteen. 16. Okay, let's see what you've drawn. 16 is. Oh, aha, here we go. That's interesting for you. What talent do you most wish you possessed? Um, you know, I think any time that I really want to do something, I just teach myself. Oh, okay, so you, so haven't, I, you haven't really got one then? No, I don't, I don't, there's nothing where I think, oh, I wish I was good at that because if I really feel like I want to be good at something, then I will just go on make myself good at it that's pretty good that's great isn't it and i must say in this day and age it's so much uh seems to be so easy to do that you know we can learning is um it, there's so many ways to learn these days it's amazing so many it's opportunities yeah. brilliant well look dr warren harmer thank you so much for spending your time thank you with us. it's been great talking and uh for people who'd like to find out more about you and your work just head to warren harmer that's h-a-r-m-e-r.com and uh, you won't see a man in a, uh, a white jacket at all. Uh, you'll see Warren Hammer. And uh, again, thank you very much for spending your time with us. Thank you. No, thank you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything you know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 